Hey friends, welcome to another episode of This Sovereign Life, where we aim to inspire you to escape the mediocrity that we've been conditioned to see success and instead to pursue a life of fulfillment and freedom and joy. Today is going to be one of what I call a think aloud episode because there's a topic that I'm I'm having feelings about right now and it's been... Um, I would say it's been kind of going around in the collective, also in some personal areas of my life. Um, there is this topic that I keep noticing, keeps coming up, and it's this idea that women are responsible for the demasculization of men. And this narrative does not sit well with me, and neither does the narrative that men are responsible for all of the problems that women have. But I do have some opinions on this that I'm going to share today, whether you like it or not. And um, disclaimer, I don't know if I'll continue to hold these opinions even within the next month, the next year. I probably will. Um, but I'm fired up for real because you know I just saw a post, an Instagram post, where this girl was talking to um, a guy and she was basically saying, you know, I can see how we have, we have demasculinized. I can't say the word. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we've taken away your power, blah, blah, blah. We've done all this stuff and I just can't get behind this idea. Right. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I am qualified to speak on this because for several reasons, one, I have, some of the best men I think that exist in my life. And in fact, I was raised by one of the best men that I have ever met. He, my dad was uh, the epitome of masculine, but also tender and loving and an empowerer of women. He raised six daughters and two boys and his boys also turned out to be quite um, amazing in my opinion. My brothers are good men. Uh, yes, we all have our flaws. Everybody does. Everyone has their weak spots, weak points. But I have been uh, privileged to be in the presence of a lot of good men. I have great cousins and uncles and friends that are men. And my own partner right now is a great man. So I'm not coming at this topic from a place of despising or hating men or thinking that, you know, they are all bad. But on the other side of that, I am also a woman who has been subject to a lot of different kinds of treatment and exploitation from men throughout my entire life. And I have taken responsibility for almost all of those myself, right? So I a lot of this happened to me before this time where it was acceptable to even call out a man on his behavior, a guy on behavior that was inappropriate or exploitive. Um, it was looked down upon, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, when I was dating, also I was raised in a religion where, you know, men are the pinnacle of authority and masculinity and everything that is good. Right. Um, so I have very polar opposite experiences on this very topic. 
And I've been thinking a lot about it. There's a lot going on in our collective society. You know, the whole Andrew Tate debacle. I haven't followed that much because I never knew that much about him. Um, but, you know, uh, the feminist movement, all of these things, right? Um, the the talk of the patriarchy. And there's so many people that are having a problem with one side or the other of this. But the thing that I really want to talk about today is how many people can't handle the idea of men being called on their shit, finally, right? And here's the thing. We, we're going through this time, and, and I love, like I said, I have a lot of good men in my life. Not only that, but I have nephews, and, um, you know, nephews both by blood and nephews that are just my nephews because they're my friend's kids, and I've, they've grown up in my life. And when I think about this, I think about them a lot because there is no place where I believe it is okay to, um, to persecute boys and men, um, for the collective sins of maybe a male dominant society, right? Um, I don't, believe in that. I don't believe in punishing the good men that we have in our lives, uh, punishing the the next generation for the sins of the past. But I also don't believe in acting as if there are no sins of the past and as if this sudden kind of change in the weather um, where men are now feeling what it is like to not be able to just do everything that they want to do whenever they want to do it, um, to whomever they want to do it, for that to suddenly be a, a problem and to be something that women are imposing upon them. Now, I know there's extremists on all sides of this discussion, and there are some extreme feminists who I believe uh, are probably very hurt women or people, and there's there's all kinds of people today in society that are wounded, that are are hurt because of abuse and misogyny and, uh, you know, terrible, terrible things, right? And when we have this discussion a lot, I don't think, I think I rarely hear that put, or rarely hear an emphasis put on that side of it. But that's not really what I'm here to talk about right now, right? Um, here's the thing, guys, and women who are also blaming us, blaming yourself or blaming the rest of women for guys somehow being demasculinated. How do you say that word? I don't know. I should probably look it up. But the thing is, is that I don't believe that women have anything to do with it. In fact, if you look at the Bible, if you're a Bible reader or somebody who has a religious or, you know, um, spiritual perspective on this, in and you believe in the creation story, in the creation story, when God cursed men and women and the serpent for their sin, for the original sin, guess what the curse he put on women was? besides childbirth and pain in childbirth, which is the obvious one, the other curse that he put on the woman was, it went something like this. You, your desire shall be towards your husband and he shall rule over you. 
Now, the reason I'm pointing that out is because that was not God saying, here, here's something that's going to be great for you. That was a curse. That was a freaking curse that he put on the woman for the original sin, right? So let that sink in. Like this this whole idea of masculinity and ruling over women and, and uh, male dominance was not necessarily the way God intended for us to live. It wasn't, it doesn't seem to me, if that was a curse, it doesn't seem to me like God was like, hey, yeah, this is, I made the man and I made the woman like this and I made it so that man would be dominant and he should be masculine and rule over the woman and all this stuff, right? That's that's the way society is going to work best. No, this was a curse. Just like pain in childbirth was a curse, right? And guess what? We have done everything we can to get around that one. If you're not having, you know, if you're going to the hospital and no shame on any mom, by the way, uh, I get it, right? Like I have had a child now and it was very painful and terrible. And so I do not blame anyone for trying to get around the curse, right? Men, men were cursed with having to work and by the sweat of their brow have bread to eat. Now listen, men don't share in the women's curses, right? We've been sharing in that curse of working for a long time. Now, this is an aside, but I'm just going to throw it out there. And I might do a whole episode on that because, you know, I believe that uh, we should take a little closer look at this. But my point in bringing this up is that for a very long time, this has been the way it is. Men have had a dominant place in society, right? And that dominance has not been questioned for a very long time. And when you have a dominant place in society, that means that you are making the rules. You are making, you are, uh, let's say, crafting the, the fabric of society to be the way it is, right? And so that's a big responsibility. And I think that the New Testament touches on that quite a bit after the death of Jesus when you're in reading the apostles. Um, and it talks about how men are supposed to treat women. They're supposed to treat women the way Christ treated or loves the church, right? So that's a pretty tall order. And I don't think that that has in any way been fulfilled. So now we're here, we're here in current society, and men are finally getting a taste of what it's like to not just be able to do whatever they want, to not necessarily be top dog, right? Things are shifting. And I think that that's just the natural course of anything, but especially when uh, you have a a society where people are exploited at the whims of others. And for a very long time, women, not just women, but children and uh, different ethnic groups have been exploited at the whims of men. And so as we get here, right? And, and I'm saying this from a place of a girl who around the age of 10 years old, the very young age of 10 years old, I was being looked at sexually by adult men. And I was being accused by their wives of being provocative, of of um, wanting that kind of attention by the way I dressed or the way I acted, right? I was 10. I had no fucking idea how to get that kind of attention and what that even meant. And I had absolutely no desire to get that kind of attention from men. But 
I was accused of that at that age. And shortly thereafter, I was accused of all kinds of other things that were very sexually inappropriate to put on an innocent, you know, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 16-year-old even. I was so innocent. And so that's where it started, right? And both men and women were party to this. But as I got older, um, I started to want to take my power back because that felt like shit. It took my innocence from me without me even being able to relinquish my innocence in any way. I had no power over that, right? I had no idea what these things meant. And suddenly I was privy to things that no 10-year-old or 12-year-old should know about. Um, And so later on, as I got older and as I left that religion, uh, I built up a defense system. And a lot of that defense was had to do with me wielding my sexual power because that is the power, the only power that I felt I had. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I'm not going to tell my whole story, but as I got older, um, and I did actually intentionally be sexy, uh, that was exploited in all kinds of, of different ways too. There were men who wanted to, uh, sleep with me, but not date me because guess what? Oh no, you don't want to date the same girl you want to sleep with. What I'm getting at here is we have these weird ideas and these weird structures in society. And I think a lot of them are a result of suppression and a result of, of, uh, perversion. And I'm not blaming men or women. I actually think that that is, um, that is misled to try to put the blame on men or women specifically. I think plenty of men and women over the course of history have aided and abetted in the way that society has turned out to date, right? And for us to try to just put the blame and think that one or the other gender or, you know, energy is the problem, I I completely disagree with. I actually believe that feminine and masculine energy are synergistic at their best are um, complementary and they work together for good when balanced and appreciated by both sides. But we have so many of these things in society. And when I talk about mediocre, this is part of it, right? Um, we have these ideas as we get older and go through college. And and like I said, I was subject to this, right? I was uh, My innocence was taken by people who should never have been even allowed to uh, look at me that way or speak about me that way. And then later on, I was seen at times as the girl who would be fun, but not wife material, right? These, these weird things. And at times I've been looked at as wife material, right? Um, I've, I've, I've kind of been subject to it all, but it's these perceptions that we have that uh, society should work a certain way and we should do these certain things in order to live a good life, right? Um, yeah, and and one of the things that I think is really damaging is that, you know, men are allowed or believe, have allowed themselves to think that it's 
okay to go sow your wild oats, right? Uh, go, go mess around with the girls, the dangerous girls, the naughty girls, uh, before you settle down with a good woman who will bear your children and, uh, impress your friends. And I actually encountered this right now. I'm talking about this because I know me and I know many other women like me. And a lot of times we feel forced into these boxes, but the truth is we're both, we're all of it. We're the good girl and the bad girl. We're the wife material and the sexy one that you can have fun with in bed. And yet you put us into these boxes and you live in a way that exploits some people and, uh, you know, and actually it's exploiting everyone because when you marry this wife that's so good and, you know, perfect for you, many of you are lusting after the girl who you thought was just a good time. And so you're making these rules, you're making up these ideas of how it can be and how it should be. And a lot of women are supporting them or going along with them. But what I'm getting at here is at the bottom of this issue, it's not about women or men taking away from each other. It's that we have these societal beliefs and structures that allow for women to be exploited and men to exploit that have allowed for that for a long time. And it became so normalized that the fact that that, that exploitation doesn't come so freely to a lot of men is causing people to be upset. And it's causing them to feel like they don't have their masculinity. So I want to talk about like, what is masculinity? What, what does that really mean? And how, how can this be different? Because you see, my dad, who I spoke of earlier, who's a good man, has always been masculine. He never once could be looked at as weak or feminine. But his masculinity, in my opinion, came from his integrity came from his ability to empower those around him, especially women, because he was mostly surrounded by women. It came from his ability to see when he was wrong and choose a different path, choose a different belief, not just stand there saying, no, this is the way it is because I'm a man, because I, I, I have this belief and I got to defend it, right? Because I got to be masculine. And pardon me if I sound angry, but I am a little angry because I think that these ideas are damaging and detrimental, not only to those of us who exist now and who are in uh, the adult range of society now, but to future generations. A lot of men don't know where to go with this because... There are such extreme polarizing definitions put into place on what makes a man masculine or what makes a man weak, beta, alpha, all these stupid things that are thrown around. There's men out there teaching men to be alphas, right? And how to get girls and how to do all this stuff. And then there's men being called betas because they're not standing up for what they believe or they're not treating women a certain way. And I think it's all bullshit, the truth is that what it comes down to is that a man has a choice on whether or not a man is going to live 
in integrity and in truth and in authenticity. And women have the same choice, right? Each one of us have this choice. And what I see is I see a lot of men pulled into the current of society that allows, that not only allows for these behaviors that are less than savory to be uh, celebrated and to be okay, but it also suppresses the true being of a person, of a man, uh, the, the part that's the feelings, the part that is passionate, the part that does have moments of weakness, the part that cries sometimes, the part that doesn't know what to do sometimes, the part that really is who you are. And when you do that, when you suppress it, any of us, men, women, anybody, when we allow ourselves to be locked into these structures, into these boxes, into these ideas of what we're supposed to be, rather than being who we really are and allowing for that in not only in ourselves, but in each other so that we can grow, so that we can get stronger, so that we can get better, so that we can take care of each other in a way that is, is important and loving, we will inevitably crack. Your integrity cannot be upheld with the suppression of your true self. It has nothing to stand on. It cannot be upheld if you're just conforming to something that seems appealing to you right now because it sounds fun, it sounds cool, it makes you fit in. And this is what I think the real problem is, is that we live in a society that encourages inauthenticity, that encourages us to be part of a a um, tribe, you know, instead of really being ourselves. Now, when I say that, I think being part of a tribe is good, but the way we framed it is that you have to conform to some kind of club rules to fit in. And these these rules get narrower and narrower. The definition of a man, the definition of a woman, the definition of a feminist, the definition of a masculine guy, an alpha, a beta, you know, all these definitions, a Republican, a liberal, whatever it is that you're conforming to, it is making you less of yourself. And therefore, it's going to weaken your integrity. The only way that we can stand in our integrity and encourage it in our children is to structure who we are and who we become around our values, around real values, not around societal expectations, not around the norm, not around what's cool and acceptable, right? So if you're raising boys and you're worried about, you know, them being demasculinized, how do I demasculated, demasculated by women, I have something to say to you. Instead of worrying, instead of blaming the women, instead of blaming everyone around you, the feminist movement, whatever you're blaming, 
Why don't you teach them to live in values? Why don't you teach them that it's okay to have it all? That it's okay to have a good wife that's also really fun. It's okay to have those wild times and experience those uh, things that we term as forbidden fruits. And it's okay to do that in your integrity. You just got to care more about who you are, what you're built on, than you do about these temporary ideas. Because you can have it all. You've just conformed to the structure that says that you can't. But when you teach your boys that they can have it all, but there's a certain value system to uphold. If you teach them from an early age that women are valuable, that they are valuable, that everything is important, that these things are sacred, and they're all available, but it's their choice, like, what do you want your life to look like? What kind of man do you want to look at in the mirror every day? Who do you want to be? What kind of relationship do you want to have with God? What kind of relationship do you want to have with the women in your life? How do you want to fill? These things are important. And we put the attention on all the things that aren't important, that, that aren't relevant. And we take away from developing this character, this character that could be developed in both men and women from a very early age. And then, you know, we'd have men growing up knowing what's important, knowing what they value, not just what they're going to or not going to get in trouble for. Your boys should know that it's not a good idea to sleep with a girl when they're drunk. That's something that could just be common knowledge, but it's not. Many people wait until they're drunk to sleep with somebody else. These things are structures that we have. They're ideas that we have made okay. And they have nothing to do with women taking away men's masculinity. The true masculinity comes from building your character on a set of values and from raising your children to know what they value for real. Raising your boys to care about the things that are going to truly shape them into good men. I guarantee you that women, they're not going to try to take anything away from that man because that man is going to support them just like my dad did. He's going to empower and he's going to give more than he takes. That's all I have for right now. I'm angry. And I think all of us should be because as long as we allow the attention to be put on things that really have no connection to the root of these problems, we're just going to make it worse. So friends, I hope this pissed some of you off. If you have sons and daughters, I'm sure this is something that you've thought about. And as a parent, we really are shaping the future generations. I'll see you in the next one. So after I finished recording this episode, I looked up the word that I couldn't say and 
realized that I was adding a D where it didn't belong. The word is actually emasculate, uh, which makes makes it flow much easier. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed the episode in spite of my um, dramatic mispronunciation, actually kind of making up a word altogether. But uh, emasculate is the word. The content is the same. The sentiment is the same. And I hope that it made you feel something regardless.